and welcome to John Cook Ministries YouTube videos. I'm John Cook. Today we are continuing our study on the pastoral epistles. We now join in progress part five of our continuing study. Now what is a deacon to hold on to? Verse 9, 1 Timothy chapter 3 says, Holding the mystery of the faith in a pure conscience. Holding. That's hanging on to something like a valuable treasure. It's not loosely gripping it, but hanging on to it with both hands. First Timothy chapter 1 and verse 5 says, The end of the commandment is charity out of a pure heart and of a good conscience and of faith unfeigned. The mystery of faith is the subject that matters. It is that which contains real faith. Real faith is made up of seven mysteries. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 51 to 52, says, Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump. For the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. There's a mystery there that deals with our future, when the Lord's going to take us home to be with him. In Romans chapter 11, verse 25, For I would not Brethren, that ye should be ignorant of this mystery, lest ye should be wise in your own conceits, that blindness in part has happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles come in. This is the mystery of the blindness of Israel, but God's intention to one day open their eyes. Revelation 17 and verse 5 says, And upon her forehead was a name written, Mystery Babylon the Great the mother of harlots and abominations of the earth. Here's the mystery of Babylon, that old harlot that's going to show up in the tribulation period. Colossians chapter 1, verse 26 and 27 says, Even the mystery which hath been hid from ages and from generations, but now is made manifest to his saints, to whom God would make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Here's the mystery that the Lord lives in us and that he is the hope of glory for us. In Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 21, submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. So we're to submit to one another in the fear of God. First Timothy chapter 3 and verse 16 says, without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh justified in the spirit, seen of angels, preached unto the Gentiles, believed on in the world, received up into glory. This is the mystery that the Lord came and it was God in the flesh. Second Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 7. For the mystery of iniquity doth already work. Only he who now letteth will let until he be taken out of the way. This is the mystery of iniquity. Will be bloom and blossom in the tribulation period. It's working in the world today. So as a pastor or bishop, we are stewards of these mysteries. First Corinthians chapter 4, verse 1 and 2 says, Let a man so account of us as of the ministers of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. Moreover, it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. Faithfulness is what God wants in our lives. And we're to handle these mysteries faithfully. Pass them on to others. Second Timothy chapter 2 and verse 2 says, The things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men, 
who shall be able to teach others also. So you're studying for the ministry and you're studying the word of God and what you study and learn there, it's to be given out to others. That's the handling of the mysteries and the handling of the word of God. Then we come to verse 10. It says, and let these, that's the deacons, let these also first be proved. Then let them use the office of a deacon being found blameless. This verse opens with the word and, which joins it to the previous qualification. So let these also be proved. There we are again, a warning not to put a novice in the job, but proven men, tested, experienced in serving the Lord. As you find in the military, they don't take a new recruit and put him in charge of the boot camp. They put experienced men in charge. So we are to treat God's church with the dignity and reverence that it deserves. After these have been proven and thus approved, then let them use that office of a deacon. Use it profitably. They're to serve in that office of a deacon, knowing that God is going to reward their labors. They carry out their responsibilities. They're to be found blameless. So once again, we're reminded that like the pastor, the bishops, the deacons are to be blameless. Absence of the ability of people to accuse them and slander them. So once more, this is dealing with not the absence of accusations and slander, because those are going to come, but the absence of truth behind the accusations and slander. First Peter chapter 4, verses 14 and 15 says, If ye being reproached for the name of Christ, happy are ye, for the spirit of glory and of God resteth upon you. On their part he is evil spoken of, on your part he is glorified. Then he goes on to say, as we've read this already, Let none of you suffer as a murderer, as a thief, as an evildoer, as a busybody in other men's matters. In other words, don't suffer because you're guilty. But if you suffer being not guilty, God gets glory from that. He goes on in chapter 3 of 1 Timothy to tell us in verse 11, even so must their wives. Now this is interesting. Even so must their wives be grave, not slanderers, sober, faithful in all things. Even so, just like the deacon, the wife must also be grave, serious-minded, just like the deacons, not slanderers, not talking about people, not ridiculing people, not slandering, not telling, caring tales about people, and not slandering the Lord by bringing reproach on his name. They're to be sober. This is the need for the wives to be serious-minded, not butterflies flitting about from flower to flower. They seriously care about the needy in the church, together with the deacons, faithful in all things. This is the requirement of a steward, that a steward be found faithful. 1 Corinthians 4 and verse 2 tells us, faithfulness is what the Lord's requiring of us. Now, the wife is not a deaconess, as some want to put that title on her. That's not a title given in Scripture. A deacon is a male, not female. 
if we were to say that the deacon's wife is a deaconess, then the pastor's wife is a pastoress. That's ridiculous. But she certainly has responsibility together with her husband. Interestingly, no qualifications are given for the wife of the pastor. But for the deacon's wife, yes. Then verse 12 says, let the deacons be the husbands of one wife, ruling their children and their own houses well. Again, another qualification that's given for the pastor restricts the pastor to being a male and restricts the deacons to be males. So again, we come back to polygamy and divorce, as we've covered that already. We've seen that just like the widow that the church cared for was to have had one husband, so the pastor was to have had one wife. The same is true of a deacon, one wife. Now again, you don't have to accept that. You don't have to believe that. If you want to argue with it, have, have at it. But it is what the Bible says. Some argue that divorce is the unpardonable sin because of this kind of teaching. We're not talking about unpardonable. We're talking about consequences. There are consequences to everything that happens in our lives. Is divorce sin? God said it was the hardness of men's hearts and caused by fornication. One, either one of those two certainly is sin. Does God forgive it? Absolutely. Are there consequences? Absolutely. It's like the man who decided to run from the Lord. Story was told years ago, I can remember. He decided to run from the Lord. He ran so far, he became the owner of a bar and ran it. One night in the bar, got in a fight, guy pulled a knife, and the man lost his, his arm below his elbow, from his elbow down. He got right with God later, but he didn't grow a new arm. He had to carry the consequence. So there are consequences. There are consequences to everything we do. So we need to understand that. It's not unpardonable. It's simply consequences. Can you serve God in any other capacity? Absolutely. These are the qualifications for a bishop, pastor, elder in the church, or deacons. Then it says ruling their children. That again brings them back to the responsibility rests with the husband to correct the children, to train the children, to teach the children. Proverbs 22 and verse 6 says, train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. We're to train our children. Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 4 says, ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. We're to bring our children up. And then he goes on to say that they are to take care of their own house well, to oversee his own household. The husband is the head of the wife, the Bible says, as Christ is the head of the church. Christ looks out for the church, so the husband is to look out for his wife and his children. Ephesians chapter 5 tells us that. We look out for our homes, our wives, and our children for the same reason Jesus looks out for the church, because we love them. And then in verse 13 of First Timothy chapter 3, we read, for they that have used the office of a deacon well purchased to themselves a good degree and great boldness in the faith, which is in Christ Jesus. Used the office of the deacon well. That's faithfulness. Like we've talked about in First Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 2. It's required in the steward that a man be found faithful. 
You won't use the office well unless you're faithful and diligent in caring for your responsibilities in the office of a deacon. Ecclesiastes chapter 9 and verse 10 says, Whatsoever thy hand findeth to do, do it with thy might. For there is no work, nor device, nor knowledge, nor wisdom in the grave, whither thou goest. Whatever you find to do it, do it with everything you've got. And we do what we do as unto the Lord. Everything we do, a servant to his master, he serves his master as unto the Lord. Not with eye service to please men, but to please the Lord. And that's what a deacon is to do if he is to use the office of a deacon properly. He's to do what he does for the Lord. And he says, when you do that, you purchase to yourself a good degree and great boldness in the faith. God is no man's debtor. He takes care of us. And if we serve in the position God has given us to serve, and we serve right, and we serve diligently and faithfully, God rewards such service. Hebrews chapter 11 tells us that God is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Notice he says he purchases to himself a good degree. That's rank, position, recognition for his service. He's a spiritual man. He loves the Lord. He does what he does for the Lord. Jesus told his disciples in Matthew chapter 20, verses 25 to 28, says, ye know that the princes of the Gentiles exercise dominion over them, and they that are great exercise authority upon them. But it shall not be so among you. But whosoever will be great among you, let him be your minister. And whosoever will be chief among you, let him be your servant. Even as the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. Faithfulness and humility of service are that which God rewards. He says, if you use the office of a bishop, you gain great boldness in the faith. Boldness is the ability to speak the words of God. That's what the disciples prayed for in Acts chapter 4 and verse 29. They said, and now, Lord, behold their threatenings, and grant unto thy servants that with all boldness they may speak the word. Boldness to preach the word of God. Boldness to witness for, for the Savior. And boldness in the presence of our Savior at his coming. First John chapter 4 and verse 17 says, Here it is our love made perfect, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment. Because as he is, so are we in this world. We faithfully serve the Lord, it gives us boldness when we stand before the Lord. Hey, this is John Cook again. Thank you for watching our YouTube video on the pastoral epistles. Before you touch that exit button, be sure and leave us a comment or a prayer request. Or what question do you have that we might be able to answer for you? Let us know how we can help you. Let us know how we're doing. And don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel, and you will get the next video just as soon as it's released. Well, so long for now. Be sure and join us for our next YouTube video as we continue our study on the pastoral epistle.